Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rodcast. I'm Monty, and I'm here with my father, Pastor Rod. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about some good things today, some leadership things, and the concept of teach and pray. And in our church, we talk about teach and pray a lot with our connect group leaders. And uh, it's it serves as a base for how we go about leading in the small group context. And especially it reflects the character of a shepherd. And so today we'd love to talk more about that with you. So why don't we start by hearing your personal experience with Connect Groups. How and when did you first start leading Connect Group? Leading Connect Group, well, I was not long after I became a, a believer at 19 and um, I was in a Connect Group straight away. I, I loved Sunday service, you know, the music and the, the preaching and the, the fun and the, the connections. But I also really loved the small group because it's where you, I could ask my crazy questions and it'd be um, prayer and learning and interaction on a small scale. And, and uh, so I've always been part of a small group, but first started leading it was um, probably after about six, eight months, something like that. Um, I was asked to lead a group and uh, I don't think I was a very good leader at that time. <laughs> um, even though I'd been under very good leaders, I just had never really led anything uh, really in my life. You know, I, you know, whether it was before or after a believer, I, I don't think I'd ever really led a group. So it was a, a fast learning curve for sure. Um, but I always loved it. I always loved the concept of, of sharing God's word and asking questions because once again, when I was first saved, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of um, maybe not confusion but really didn't understand a lot of things. So just asking what does that mean or what, where, where does that fit or you know, I had lots of questions as a new believer and the small group was just so um, lively and interactive and had a good leader and, and learned. So then when I became a leader, uh, I had to learn very, very fast what it's like to lead and lead regularly, not just once. Because, you know, at first you might be asked to do one study, but then every week is like, oh, you know, <laughs> I've got to prepare. I've got to. So anyway, it, it was about that time. But I did enjoy it from the beginning. And, um, you know, that was 40, almost 45 years ago. I've always led small groups for 45 yeah. years. So I guess you could say I've just got a lot more experience now. And definitely when we talk about small groups, some people might think we don't like small groups or we haven't seen them work very well. I get that in Australia uh, and other maybe some European countries. But I want to say that there are good small groups. And so when we're talking about small groups, Monty, today, hopefully we're talking about ones that are mm. uh, fun, fruitful, um, you know, just growing and enjoying. So your experience as well, let me throw it back to you. You've, you've, been, grow, you've been brought up in, in church because you're our son, fortunately. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, what was your experience? I guess you were just a, a kid at first, were you, in a small group and then teens? Yeah, I think I first joined a small group when I was 15. Our pastor in Hong Kong, Richard, uh, he was in Tokyo at the time and he approached me and one other young guy. Uh, we didn't have many teenagers at that time, but he approached us both and was like, hey, you guys wanna do a connect group? And I was like, all right, sure, <laughs> let's go. 
So we started that small group and I remember because we, you know, at church, I always hear you guys talk about journaling and, and simple prayer and all this good stuff. But as a, as a young teenager, like I never really put those things into practice or maybe weren't super intentional about that kind of thing. So at 15, uh, being in a small group actually gave me the opportunity, despite being from a Christian background or having so much knowledge that's built in from a young age, being in a connect group uh, really gave me the opportunity to dive into my relationship with God in a way that I hadn't before. And that's when I first was able to try journaling. I remember I started in John and it first... What's what's journaling for those who are just joining us today? Yeah, journaling, love journaling. It's when we get to read a bit of the Bible and write down what we feel like God is speaking to us that day. So it's not a long thing. It's not about writing essays. My journaling is five to 10 minutes before I go to bed every night and I read small chunks. Like sometimes it's not even that long. Long for me is one chapter. Okay, let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah. So, Great. yeah, we got to and, do that. And, and feeling that God sp- spoke to you. Sorry, I just jumped in there. So in the small Absolutely, group, you yeah. were taught how to journal. And then in your own time, you followed through. Yeah. So I got to journal in that small group. It was just me and Pastor Richard and one other guy sometimes. And we started journaling. And at first, it did feel a bit like a chore because being in high school, having many assignments and lots of homework and stuff like that. It felt similar to that. But after a while, I was like, hey, I'm actually I'm actually getting something out of this. I'm actually feeling my own relationship with God be developed and, and deepened. So, you know, it was a process of years, that whole thing, and continues to this day, right? Like, anyway, that was my first encounter with Connect Group. And been in a connect group ever since I was 15. When did you start to lead a, a small group? By the way, small group, connect group is the same thing for us, okay? Right. But when, when did you start to lead a, a connect group? Um, after I graduated high school at 18, I moved to Sapporo. We started a church plant in a city called Sapporo. And uh, it was just a few of us. And I was 18, 19, 20. And I got a few opportunities to lead a connect group then. And then I came back to Tokyo when I was about 20. And I think when I was 21, I was offered a chance to start a connect group at that time. And so same thing, I started with, you know, one or two other guys and just had to build it over a period of time. It's pretty tough actually, isn't it? To start a small group like that. Yeah, it was tough. I think back in the day, we maybe didn't have the the structure to set people up for a win that we have now. I feel like we can set people up for a win much better now than we did back in the day because it was like Sparta back then. It's like, you bring them, you get them, you disciple them. And so <laughs> everyone was like, all right, I got to find someone. Um, so maybe not the greatest <laughs> of cultures to have. But that's, that's how I came up as a, as a young leader. And it did build a, a fire and a fight to, right. you know, disciple people. Yeah. So now what do we do? What do we do better? What have we learned? Yeah, I think we've learned a lot, at least in the, 
you know, few years that I've been able to be a connect group leader or small group leader, I do feel like we've, we've learned a few practical things, such as starting with one or two people is really, really hard. Now, we, we'd like to give people a better start of starting with, you know, four or five. It's kind of like the optimal number to start a group, I feel like. So we have that. We have a lot more teaching in place. So a lot more resource yeah. for leaders to grow and to grow quickly. Uh, I feel like our leadership is also more equipped to train people with what they, you know, how to lead a group. So, yeah, sorry. There's a someone at the door. So <laughs> if you heard the little ping pong. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where we're going today is we're going to talk about the small groups and this concept of two key roles, which is teaching and praying for people, right? Teaching yeah. the word and then praying. And I think that's something we also developed over the years, isn't it? That um, a lot of people have ideas about a you know, small group being whatever. So what we at Lifehouse have discovered is that a small group is a set period of time, usually 45 minutes, could be shorter, could be on Zoom or face-to-face. But in that 45 minutes, we actually do certain things and maybe we don't do certain things. And that doesn't make us better or worse than others, but this is what we have found to be very, very successful um, in both personal satisfaction as a leader and then seeing people grow. Um, so we run about, you know, 45 minutes and we, we, uh, do journal share. We just share what God is saying to us. Um, we take that very seriously and people, even new Christians really share well on what is God saying. Then we do a, a Bible study, but it's got to be interactive, getting people to share and questions and, and then we pray. So that's our small group. We can have fellowship before and after that 45 minutes. And it's very important to say that. Because a lot of people say, well, where's the fellowship component? Well, it's before or after if people want to stay. So we're going to hone in on two of the things we do, which is teaching the word and praying for people, right? That's uh, mm-hmm. teach and pray. Why is yeah. that important to limit it, you think? I mean, I'm asking you questions as you well as you're asking me because we, <laughs> we're sort of bouncing sure. here. Why do, why do you think it's important to limit the number of goals in a small group in that time? Yeah. I think, first of all, it's biblical and we could dive into all of those, you know, intricacies of where it talks a lot about uh, in the Bible, especially in the epistles with um, Paul, talking about, you know, praying for this, praying for you leaders, pray that you leaders would pray for people. And um, the teaching aspect, Paul does talk a lot about teaching and that his desire for people to grow in certain areas such as that um, you could even argue that's the the main uh, the only area that a leader can grow it talks about in 1 Timothy 3 the characteristics of a leader of an yeah let's say a leader and teach is I guess the one area that can be honed it's a mm. skill right is that am I correct yeah. in saying that yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's, it, it, as you get higher in leadership, it tur- it's certainly, not totally, it certainly <laughs> uh, includes the ability to teach, which, which is not a spiritual gift. You don't wake up one day saying, wow, I can teach. Mm-hmm. It is actually a developed skill. And yeah. I'm convinced anybody can grow and learn uh, the skill of teaching well mm-hmm. over time. 
Um, so yes, definitely is, is a, um, a requirement. And I think with uh, training people, teaching is very important. Modeling and teaching, um, very, very important. So yeah, I think you know teaching is a big part of what we do. And I was sharing with the team recently, the word teach appears in the New Testament 150 times. It's like a key New Testament word. It's, it's mm-hmm. Jesus was amazing. He was a master. He was a genius. And so he becomes our model of a great teacher. And the Bible says the, the, the Holy Spirit will teach us to be teachers or teach us to teach. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's, a, there's an anointing to learn and grow in teaching when we have a desire to help and lead people. And the word to pray is, is also about 150 times. Um, it's actually more than that, but let's say 150. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously something we must do together and must do personally. So the two roles of teach and pray in a small group we find are, are biblical and foundational. Mm-hmm. And this is also the way we we say that we care for people. We care by teaching them how to read the Bible for themselves. That's called journaling, how to pray and how to receive God's word. That's receive teaching and then finally to to teach other people. So I think that this is how we're caring for people um, the most is by teaching them to receive the word and to pray. Uh, do you find that those two stressing on those two do, does develop le- uh, well people's lives and then leadership? Do you, do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. At least in our experience um, and in the leaders that I also have the privilege to oversee as well, uh, it's great being able to watch people develop their ability to teach. And in that teach, when we say teach, it's kind of a, a broad blanket for stuff because being a good teacher also means being able to ask good questions being able to engage people, being able to inspire people. Jesus was obviously the master at all of that, but he mostly used stories. He used parables to teach. So when we say teach, I also want to make sure people are not like stuck in one dimension of what teach looks like. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah. yeah. Just just, just dig into that a little bit more. So Hmm. what are are different styles that you've seen in a small group and and the most effective one that you've seen? Yeah, I see, I've seen a different, you know, different spectrum of people that have different personalities, different temperaments, and those things definitely do play into how people approach things. Um, I've seen people, so my, myself, I feel like I'm, I'm a bit more of a, a blunt tool, let's say. Like, if you have your toolbox, I'm a bit more like a blunt tool, but I've seen other people that are able to like surgically go in with like good question after good question after good question and then say, what do you think you should do? And the person's like, I guess I should change. And the, t- the, the leader didn't even have to say, you should change. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. some people have the patience for that. Others don't. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, I've seen different uh, personalities that some, like myself, I guess would lean more to, if we talk about truth and love, we yeah. talked about this recently mm. some would lean more to like truth and you know not much fluff <laughs> and others with different personalities lean more to to love but that doesn't mean that they don't say what needs to be said either yeah and so i think growing in our teaching ability is first understanding well which where do i land on this spectrum of truth and love and how can i move more to the center because jesus was at the center. He was 100% truth 
and a hundred percent love. So for me, I'm like, how can I uh, increase my love meter, but also be able to say uh, things that need to be said and mm. vice versa for different mm. personalities. So you're also talking about application in there, aren't you? So teaching includes mm. what does it mean for us? Absolutely. So I love, like we talk a lot about that we are signposts to Jesus. We are not the be all end all answer for people's lives. So people can come to us, but it's not about us. At the end of the day, we are the ones that are supposed to point them back to Jesus. And ultimately, that is what teaching should be, is that teaching is us being a signpost to Jesus. Whatever that looks like, however practical, whatever personality, I think at the end of the day, that should be the goal of a good teacher, is that, hey, I don't have the answers. Jesus does. Let's pray about that together. Here's a scripture. Here's what God's word says. So I think that's a great aspect of being able to teach. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, the teaching is not just information. It's not just going mm. through f- five points of this this story or, or, or whatever. It's actually yeah. then what does what does it mean for us? And I think that is good teaching um, mm. in any in any you know science, maths, life. <laughs> the the takeaways, isn't it? The, 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 yeah. the, the, the applying it into our own lives. And I think that's where our small groups do excel or do well. Mm is some teaching and questions, interaction, and then what does it mean for me and someone taking something home or someone adding something to their life? So therefore, teaching is not necessarily um, like scholarly. It's not, yeah. it's not like, you know, some people call it deep teaching or whatever. It's not really deep teaching. It's, uh, it's applied teaching or it's a, an examination of the scripture in our lives together. Mm. Yeah, so. What would you What would you do if, if 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 someone came in and said we want we want the we want highbrow we want um, you know scholarly uh, teaching? What w- What would you say to someone like that? And they've got a good heart. What would you say to that person? Yeah, uh, we have an amazing invention in the twenty first century called YouTube. And if you want to get any type of teaching, deep or shallow or whatever you want, you can go to YouTube and listen to your heart's content of some scholarly level teaching but that's not necessarily our calling our calling is to be a signpost to jesus and that might not feel like it's very deep to certain people um and when we talk about certain people we usually talk about people that have had some sort of christian background or christian uh, upbringing and they're used to a certain i guess set way of doing things that's not to say they're bad, but that's usually the case. And so, yeah, we have YouTube. But I think it's interesting when people ask for, where's the deep teaching? Where is the this and this? And I ask them, oh, so how's your your personal you know, time with Jesus? How, are you journaling? Are you spending time in the Word of God? Oh, no, no, no. You know, I just, just want to get some deep teaching. Well, I think more than you or I or any leader in the world the greatest teacher, the deepest teaching comes from the Bible, comes from Jesus, comes from his word. And so I feel like it's a little bit silly (laughs) when Christians are asking for this deep teaching, this and this and this, but they aren't even putting in the the basics, the fundamentals of reading the Bible for themselves. So I think that's the the deepest source of teaching 
is the word of yeah. God. But I don't know. What would you say? Sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like, like there's so much stuff out there now. I, I honestly, you can you can hear your your favorite preacher in the click of a button from around the world. Yeah. You can line them up in your you know your your lineup and. Uh, but the question at the end of the day is, is has, has this helped me or ha- has this affected my yeah. life for good? I think the small group, the desire is that people actually grow, isn't it? And um, yeah. I, I'm going to bring in a scripture now that we discussed recently. It's after the resurrection, Jesus um, got with Peter mm. and Peter had betrayed Jesus three times. And now we, we think this is the Lake of Galilee. Well, it definitely was the Lake of Galilee. And it was just after breakfast. And Jesus asks Peter three questions. Peter denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus asks Peter three questions. And it actually says that the third time Peter got offended or, or maybe hurt. And the reason is because, of course, the three, three denials and the three questions of Jesus. But the three questions are really interesting because the first one Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you you know uh, that I love you. And, and then Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Second time, Simon, do you love me? Yes, then shepherd my sheep. Third time, do you love me? Yes, you know I love me. Um, then feed my sheep. And the, the, the words here are obviously from a sheep farm. And we've talked about this recently here in Japan where most people have never seen a, a sheep in the wild, <laughs> a sheep on the range. Japanese, most Japanese or most Asian big cities have only ever seen a sheep in a feeding pen in a kid's area where you, you pay, you know, a dollar and you get a bit of food and you feed the sheep or you feed the goat or whatever it is. You, the picture is a very, very small pen and you get to feed the animal uh, hand to mouth. But the in Jesus' day, they never had those. If they did, it was only for... Um, sick sheep or for baby lambs that needed help. And so I had the great privilege when I grew up of being on my cousin's sheep farm in Australia year after year after year and seeing that feeding the sheep and feeding the lambs is not in a pen unless the the, the sheep is sick. It's in a field and you don't actually hand feed them unless there's a drought. But in a normal year, And in a normal year in Israel where Jesus was, the sheep would have been in the fields. And so the concept that Jesus is saying is not hand feeding these sheep. The first one is feed my lambs. And so the picture of teaching, teaching lambs, feeding lambs is teaching them how to feed themselves, leading them to good grass, leading them away from a stream that where they might fall in. So the concept of someone growing is gently but firmly helping people to feed themselves, what we call self-feeders. We find this to be one of the easiest and also hardest things to do. Um, not that it's hard in itself, but it's, it's a different thinking. Some people thinking, and I think with the deep teaching concept, is someone say, give me something. Give me, tell me something I don't know inspire me, show me something I don't know. But the picture of feeding the lambs is leading them to a place where there's good grass and they're going to get some good stuff. And then it talks about feeding the sheep later on. When they're growing and healthy sheep, they're still out in the fields, but they're even more able 
to feed themselves. They've, they've, they've learned the art of feeding themselves. I think this is a really important metaphor or picture, actually, really, really important because the concept of a leader is not that we make people dependent on us to feed them, but we make people, uh, we lead people to be dependent on God and his word and to love it. So this is a different picture, isn't it? And we, we talked about this, the, the, the sheep pen is not, it's only for protection and for with sickness and that sort of thing, but the field is for life. So I, I'm really excited. As I said, I've been in small groups for 45 years and I've always seen people grow and I've always seen people thrive and people have problems and issues and of course, but I've seen how God's word has helped them in all circumstances. So I'm a real believer in, can I show you how to read this for yourself, which is journaling. Um, and also for the leader, for the shepherds, it's a much easier pathway. Um, I've seen through the years, good leaders give up leading small groups because they got over involved in people's lives. Just, you know, they've got their own family, their own job, their own health, their own issues, and then they've got to help a lot of other people. And it can actually get quite heavy if there's a lot of sheep, if you want to use that metaphor, a lot of sheep asking for hand feeding. And I've seen people actually back away from leadership at those times they come and they say, you know, Pastor Rod, Pastor Monty, um, um, we love the people, but I don't think I can lead right now. And this doesn't mean, you know, we, we're trying to keep people into leading if they need to, you know, have a break. But I, you get what I'm saying. Some people leave because the the concept of feeding the sheep became very intense and very, very, um, you know, no boundaries. And I think that that's where you'll see a lot of good leaders saying, I can't do this anymore, uh, where we're talking about, not codependence, we're talking about an independence from us and a codependence on Jesus, right? That's what you keep saying, Monty. Can you just speak to what I just said then? I just you know, spent a few minutes on that. How, how do you feel about all that as a leader? So recently, Tuska preached a message talking about the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. And he talked a lot about the qualities or characteristics of that relationship. And an interesting thing he said was, a sheep won't lie down if it doesn't feel safe. A sheep can't lie down. It will stay standing if it you know, perceives danger or is stressed. So I love that imagery in Psalm 23 where it talks about, I lie down near those pastures because we are with God. God is with us. It's not because I am with you know, Pastor Rod, or it's not because I'm with Pastor Richard, or it's not because of that is why I lie down. It's because... I am close to Jesus and Jesus is close to me. And so I feel like that is the key uh, imagery. Like you said, it, in this day and age, we don't really see shepherds and sheep interacting with one another. But I think we understand that that is the role of a shepherd and God is, you know, Jesus, he is the good shepherd and we are the little shepherds. And our goal is to be more like him. That's great. Everyone wants to be more like Jesus. So that doesn't mean more codependency on me as the leader. Like I'm the one to solve the problems. I am the one to answer all the questions. No, no. My, my job is to point Jesus, uh, point people to Jesus. It's great. So, yeah, I love that imagery. Yeah, I think I'll come to your group. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun, actually. A lot of fun. A lot of good because guys. The, because the sheep are getting healthier and they, they love the, the flock, they love the group and... Mm. 
like you said, peace and a lot of good things are happening in the group. And I think this is especially tr- true with uh, when people leave a group for the night. It's almost like they decide to come back next week because they've they've had something touch their heart, touch their emotions, touch their mind. It didn't have yeah. to be deep. It just had to be real, authentic and relevant. Mm. And so they'll come back next week and, and hopefully journal and grow and everyone grows over time. And that's yeah. where what Jesus is saying to people, Peter at first, feed my, feed my lambs, shepherd mm-hmm. my sheep, feed my sheep. There's a progression from feeding lambs to feeding sheep. And, of course, healthy sheep will then reproduce. So the mm-hmm. concept is leaders growing, people growing, and at the right time, the group may be having to birth into two groups and having more people come and more leaders and leadership training. And maybe in a few in the next week we could talk about some of that or next few weeks about leadership training and also more mm-hmm. about the prayer side, which we didn't have time to cover today. But we yeah. talked about this this shepherding sheep. And I think it's really important. Again, the metaphor is not a sheep feeding pen. It's a broad paddock field. And it, it's just natural and it's good and there's good food and there's good so the, the Jesus is the the good shepherd, hey. So yeah. um, that's great. So we might finish here, Monty, and then we'll continue this conversation in the future. Do you want, yeah, do you want to like pray? That. Do you want okay. to pray for, for people running passionate about small groups? Great. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for the time that we've had to talk today. Uh, we thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you are calling us to be little shepherds under you, God. So I pray that we... Uh, who are leaders or who are aspiring to become leaders. God, I pray that we would have uh, that security, first of all, in you. And God, I pray that you would help us develop the teaching gifts that we have in us, that that teaching gift can be developed for everybody. And I pray, God, that you would continue to speak to us and that we would have a healthy understanding of what it is to be a leader, what it is to be able to teach, And so, God, I pray that you would develop that inside of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next time on The Rodcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this, and we'll see you next time.